Thank you for joining us for this message today. If you're new to the church or want to connect in any way, check us out at harborcitychurch.org. We would love to connect with you. Thank you so much. And with that, let's jump into the message. Good morning, Harbor City Church, Grace Harbor, and all of you watching with us online. We are so grateful you joined us today for worship, and we're honored to have you with us. In a moment, we'll be turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Luke 10, several other verses as we continue in our series, The Devil's Worst Nightmare. Today, I want to talk to us about understanding our enemy. But first, I want to talk to you dads and kids about making a video for your mom for Mother's Day. Mother's Day is next Sunday. We want it to be a special day for all the moms. And uh, I just want you to know, if you do this video, it needs to be one minute or less, and it needs to be creative and innovative. And uh, just so you know, I know your wife, your mother will be thrilled if you do this. Whether she wins or not, you've made a memory for her. The deadline is next Sunday or next Thursday, May 7th at 3 p.m. so we can have time to view all of them, judge them, and determine a winner. So that is very important. Can't wait to hear what you guys do. So make sure you send it in to av at harborcitychurch.org. Okay, let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me, lift them up high. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do, and I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can stay here at home and be changed for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, over the last few weeks, I've heard a number of great reports of people who are doing so well and things are going good for them. But then I've also talked to a number of other people that say, I just don't, I just don't understand why these negative things are happening in my life I love God, but it's just like the devil is having a heyday in my life and in my marriage and my family and on my finances. So today, I want to take the time to teach us a little bit on how to understand our enemy. How does does the enemy get into my life and teach you how to become the devil's worst nightmare? Now, one thing you need to know is that God has given every believer authority over our enemy. We don't have to fear the devil. Uh, We certainly need to understand him, though. So 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, in verses 10 and 11, it gives us these words. Uh, Paul said this, If anyone or anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Why? Verse 11, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. In other words, Paul's telling us here, one of Satan's schemes is unforgiveness, and it gives him an open door to trash our lives. So if you're being thrashed around these days, and it seems like Satan's having a heyday, 
You might ask yourself, is there any unforgiveness in my life? Uh, last week, Dr. Frank DiMazio taught us on how to take the no position with our enemy. And one thing you need to know is that the word Satan, this is so important for you to, to understand, the word Satan means adversary or one who opposes another in their purpose. Now, this is extremely important because Satan has an agenda to destroy your life from fulfilling God's purpose that he created you for. Another reason it's important is because according to Barna Research, this is a a poll from a few years ago, it says 60% of Christians do not believe in the devil. In fact, they don't believe a devil exists. And so just so you know, the devil loves that statistics because an enemy you don't believe in can easily destroy you. So if there is no devil, we need to ask this question. Why does the Bible have so much to say about him to the New Testament church? Well, it's so we can overcome him. Whether you believe in him or not, he does exist, and he's a real enemy, but God's given us a real strategy on how to overcome uh, him by knowing his tactics. Now, Luke 10, 19 tells us this. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Notice he says he's an enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So the scripture tells us two things. The devil is our enemy. And number two, we have all authority over him. But if you don't use your authority, you'll get hurt. And the next verse, Luke 10, 20, listen to this. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So important for us to understand the spirits are subject to you, but more important that your name's written in the book of life. So we all have an enemy. We all have authority over him if we simply learn to do what the Bible tells us to do. Now, since we want to understand our enemy uh, and how to become the devil's worst nightmare, we need to ask and answer a few questions. There are three questions I want to ask today and hopefully help you understand our enemy. So here's the first question. Why is, uh, why is Satan our enemy? I mean, I'm sweet and I'm kind and I'm sure you're sweet and you're kind. So why in the world would Satan be our adversary? Well, here's the answer. The answer is this. He's the enemy of truth. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, this is what he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So because Jesus is the eternal word of God, Satan hates him. And you and I need to know if we are not walking according to the word of God. Satan is not your adversary. He's your master. Jesus said, he who sins is a slave to sin. And the word is not talking about a sin and falling short of the glory of God and then getting right back up and and getting right with God. It's talking about uh, walking in sin or practicing sin as a lifestyle and having no intention of repenting of it. So if you're walking in lies and in deception, like all of us did before we came to Christ, uh, when you give your life to Jesus, though, you need to know this. Satan becomes your adversary. 
Now, this is what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. He meets Jesus, and as he meets him and gives his life to Christ, this is what Jesus says to him in Acts 26, verse 17 and 18. It says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles. In other words, you're not going to be dominated by what these people think. But to whom I now send you, so I'm sending you to them. Why? To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Jesus is saying to Paul here, I'm going to call, put a call on your life and I'm going to send you to the Jews and to the Gentiles and I also want you to turn them from darkness to the light. Now, you need to know this book is light and he's telling Paul, take them to my word and in doing so, you will turn them from the darkness and dominion of the devil to my dominion from the power of Satan to the power of God. So you and I need to understand that you are under dominion of the person's advice that you're following. So you need to understand, and I need to understand, when you give your life to Jesus and you're saved by faith uh, through the death, burial, and resurrection, you're going to heaven. But even saved people can be in bondage. So when we get saved and give our lives to Jesus, the battle is not over, but really, here's the truth. The battle has just begun. When you and I commit our lives to the truth, that's when he commits himself to become your adversary and your enemy for the rest of your life. See, as a young believer, sometimes it can seem like being a Christian is harder than than being a believer. See, most of us sell out to Jesus because we're really good at sinning. In fact, uh, we sin so well and, and sin lied to us and, and good sinners, here's what they do. They wake up every day with one goal, to be the best sinner they can possibly be. And then they go to bed every night successful, but then they go to bed empty and unhappy. And finally, when they turn to Jesus, it's because they realize sin has lied to them and left their souls empty and left them bankrupt. And then when Jesus comes into their hearts, he fills that emptiness and he never lies to you. And then he shows you his purpose for why he created you. So what happens is most people get saved and then they, they, don't, uh, they don't know anything about the devil. But almost immediately, here's what happens. Most new believers begin to feel opposition. They feel opposition to doing the right thing. They feel opposition for living uh, for God. And most Christians don't understand what's going on, uh, but the truth is there's a war for your soul. Satan knows he's lost you to eternity, but he does not want you to take any more territory from him. So he doesn't want you to attack hell. hell. So what he wants you to do is he wants to make you a POW, which is a prisoner of war. And a prisoner of war is this, someone who can wear the uniform, but can no longer have the power to make any difference against their enemy. And so what happens to many Christians is they become POWs. Now I want you to, I want to read you a scripture where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and Jesus tells them, if you abide in my word 
and you are my disciples indeed, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And that statement was extremely offensive to the Pharisees. In fact, they said these words, we are the sons of Abraham, and we've never been a slave or in bondage to anyone. So here's what Jesus replied in John 8, verses 43 through 47. He said, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father. Now, this is amazing how, 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 how direct Jesus is. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of lies, or the father of it. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? In other words, I don't have any sin. You can't convict me of sin. You never have been able to. And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. So Jesus is preaching this message, and all of a sudden, the Pharisees and the religious leaders begin to oppose him and begin to attack him. And Jesus says, well, look at that. You're just acting like your daddy. You're, you oppose the truth just like him. And he's the opponent because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he's just speaking out of his own nature because he's a liar and the father of lies. So here's the bottom line uh, for this point. When you are living for the word of God and speaking the word of God, the devil is your enemy, whether you like it or not, because he hates the truth. And the truth is, the more the longer you're a Christian, the more the truth of the word of God should get into your lives and my life, and the more dangerous we should become to the enemy. Now, let's look at the second question. The second question is this, why can Satan defeat some people and not others? And here's the answer. Some people are protected by the word of God and others aren't. And here's why. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 this is what it says. It's a great story. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So, let me just say, let, let's just say this platform that I'm sitting on and standing on uh, is, is a foundation. And when we built this foundation, you need to know, or built this platform, below this platform is concrete. So this platform is built on concrete, and I asked Tom Lane to build this platform so strong that it could hold a vehicle or a motorcycles uh, so that when I did illustrations, we could just roll them right up here onto the platform. So you need to know <clears throat> you're building a foundation, and this foundation, hopefully, <clears throat> let's all 
Let's all clear my throat. <clears throat> all right. Now, so this foundation, we want to build our marriage on it, our family on it, our career on it, our finances, and our future and our destiny on this foundation. See, you need to know this. Everyone is building something, whether you know it or not. And you are building it based off some information you have received. You're building your family heritage. Uh, Maybe you heard it from your education. Uh, Maybe you're building it from something you watched on TV. Or maybe you've read a book or two and you're saying, that was so good, I'm going to build the foundation of that, uh, of my life on that. And you and I are building our lives based on some information. But there is no promise that you will succeed apart from God's word. Only books that are based on God's word, only information that you receive based on God's word will work for your life. Jesus said, a person who hears my words and does them is like a wise builder who builds his house upon the rock. So some of you might ask, why would a person choose the sand to build on over the rock? Well, here are a few reasons. And I just want you to know, I love going to the beach. I love the beach. But when I go there, I never see anyone lying on the rocks. I never see anyone sunbathing there. What I see is people always in the sand. And here's why. It's fun. It's fun to, uh, to, to just run and run into the ocean and be in the sand. It feels good to your feet. It's just nice and soft and it's good. But also, it's fitted. In other words, I can lie in it, and when I get up, it looks just like me. I can fit it to my liking. I can mold it into sandcastles. I can conform it. But here's something you need to know. The problem with sand is this, is that it's unstable, and you can't rely on it. In fact, you can't rely on it in the bad times. You can't even rely on the good times. You can't rely on it at all, especially in storms and in the rain. And if, if, if there weren't going to be any storms in life, then, then you can build, I guess, wherever you want. But the truth is, there are storms. And the problem is, there's going to be bad times. There's going to be storms and rain that come into our lives. The rain will come. The wind will blow on every single human being. And God never promised you or me that when we give our lives to Christ, we would have a storm-free life. He never promised you and me a life without adversity. He just promised that he'd be with us there in the storm or when the adversity comes. So he promised us a victorious life if we build on his word when the adversity comes. So the story tells us the rains came, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was built on the rock. It was built on Jesus, the living word, and he is our written word. Now, you need to know Lois and I are still married today, not because we are so smart, so good looking, so kind, and all those good stuff. No, we're only married today because we built uh, our marriage on the word of God. We built our marriage on his truth. Without God's word, we would have been divorced a long time ago. We, you need to know his word has kept us through the storms of life. And believe me, there's been a lot of storms in our marriage. 
The enemy hates our marriage. And because he's able to look down and see the angels of God and the Holy Spirit working in us, he knew and he knows our call. He knows if he could destroy our marriage, he not only destroys our lives, but he destroys the lives of thousands of other people. And then you need to know this. Our marriages survive because of the rock. But you need to know this. Not only does he hate our marriage, he hates your marriage, and he hates your seed. He hates your kids. If he can divide you and bring, he'll then bring disillusion uh, into your kids' lives. I've had people say to me, well, you know, it, it, my kids will be fine. No, your kids won't be fine. Your kids will be disillusioned, disheartened, and hurt because your love uh, for God and God's word, well, or lack of it, will make a difference in your kids' life. What you do with God's word really does matter, far more than just your personal happiness. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, Train up your children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. That means if you want your kids to serve God, as parents, you have a responsibility to train them in the ways of God. I've had parents say to me, I'll just let them choose when they get older. No, they will only choose what's been imparted to their life. They'll, they'll, they'll choose what's been imparted to them through TV, through education, through other means. So you have a responsibility to teach them the truth, to teach them the word of God. And it tells us in Psalms 1, it tells us, if you will build your life on the word of God, everything you do will prosper. And Joshua 1 tells us you'll have great success. So we are commanded as parents to train our children in God's word. And that does not mean, uh, it doesn't mean being legal, legalistic. Uh, people ask me if we trained our children uh, with devotions. And uh, I want you to know I did try to train our kids with devotions. Uh, and uh, I remember a few times I'd get out my Bible and I'd read a scripture or two and they would start laughing because it felt churchy and it felt like I was preaching to them and it just didn't feel like real and authentic. So what we learned is that uh, every moment is a teachable moment. And when the kids got home from school every day or whatever they were doing, we would just start conversation and we found that every one of those moments were teachable moments where we could help them build on the word of God and make it a foundation for everything in their lives. Now, one thing I found in my life is what the world believes changes. It's like shifting sand. One minute, something's wrong. The next minute, another thing is wrong. And we get into political correctness, which I just, I, I, I just need, I, I, political correctness, just want you to know, I, I'm not gonna get into pol- political correctness. I'm gonna get into biblical correctness. And the reason is most politicians I've found tell a few lies here and there. I don't know if you've noticed that over the last couple of years, but there's a lot of lying going on when it comes to political correctness. So let's stick with biblical correctness, all right? So what is the foundation of your children? What do they base their decisions on? What will make them rich? What will make them popular? Is that what you're basing it on? Or by what will make them blessed and prosperous? The most important foundation for your life and your children's life is the word of God. Every topic in the world is in the word of God. If you're willing to take the time to search it out, you will find government is in the word of God. And you'll find families in the word of God. Love is in the word of God. Marriage and sex and science 
They're all in the word of God. Finances, budgeting, how to manage it is in the word of God. Proverbs 10, I think it's verse 22, tells us the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and there, and he adds no sorrow with it. So is it possible to be rich and have a blessing of God on your life? Absolutely. It's not riches that are the problem. It's what you love more than God. So God wants us uh, to be blessed and he wants us to prosper. <clears throat> in fact, the richest man in the world wrote a great book. And the richest man in the world is not Bill Gates or some of these others. The richest man in the world was a man named Solomon in the Bible. He had more riches than anybody, and he wrote the book of Proverbs for you and I to learn. In fact, you just need to know, in the book of Proverbs, he put every secret to wealth in that book. If you want to know about wealth, read the book of Proverbs. Now, another thing you need to know about the Word of God is that the Word of God is a sword. Ephesians 6, 17 says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's talking about the armor of God, and it tells us the sword of the Spirit. You need to know the sword of the Spirit is the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. So I brought uh, a sword today to just let you know, and by the way, this is uh, a Braveheart sword. This is one mean, bad boy sword. And, and you need to know that this is one of those mean bad boy swords because this is what the word of God should be in your life and my life as we learn to yield or wield uh, the word of God in our lives. You with this sword makes you the most dangerous weapon in the world. So uh, the word of God is extremely important when it comes to uh, to the Bible because it's an offensive weapon. Look at this scripture, Hebrews four eleven through 13. It says, for the word of God is living and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom he must give account. Now, so just so you know, this, this Bible then, this word of God that we have as a sword, this book, it reads you. That's what it's saying here in these scriptures, that it's a discerner of the intentions of the heart and there's nothing hidden from it. So when you and I learn how to use it skillfully, God will use you. Not only will it penetrate your heart, and by the way, it, it will uh, reveal to you every wicked thing you do in your life. But here's the thing. When you start using this, this word as a skillful swordsman, you will bring conviction to other people's lives as well. Uh, a guy told me the other day that he, he knows a Christian, he claims to be a Christian, but every time he was around this guy, this guy was uh, using God's name in vain. And he was saying uh, Jesus uh, Christ in a, as a swear word. And so he, was, he, he finally just said to the guy, I've got something to tell you, and I need to tell it to you in love, but I want you to hear this. You tell other people you're a Christian, but God's word says you should not use his name in vain. How do you think it comes across to other people when you use his name in vain and you tell them you're a Christian? All he was doing was using the word of God to talk to the man in love. And the man hung his head and he said, you're right because this word penetrates, it discerns the, uh, the intents of the heart. And he realized 
man, I'm, I'm glad somebody confronted me in love and told me the truth. You need to know this. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. He didn't eat. He was emaciated. He was skin and bones. And at the end of the 40 days, he was attacked by Satan himself with lies and half-truths, which is what he does with most of us. And Jesus, with no energy in his physical body, defeats his enemy by the word of God. And Jesus said to him, These words, it is written. See, you need to know that you need to get as much of the Bible in you because sometimes you may not have this book to flip to, but you may have it in your heart. In Psalms 119, I think it's uh, 111, it says this, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. So you get the Bible in your heart so that you won't sin against God and it comes out of your heart, it'll come out. So this is the word of God. It's living, it's active. You read other books, but this is the only book that reads you. And it tells us no creature can hide from its sight because when the word of God is in your life and in my life, it will find out every demon. It will bring out and find out every demon that's in your life and in other people's lives. And it will defeat the devil and his assignments against your purpose and destiny. This weapon is so powerful that before uh, the devil can defeat you, he has to disarm you. I just want you to know, you know what he wants you to do? He wants to take and and put you, he he wants to take this Bible and have you put it in a drawer somewhere. He wants you to take this sword and hang it on a wall somewhere. He wants you to uh, take a, and put it as a decorative thing on the dash of your car because you want, he wants you to make this casual. And once you make the word of God casual in your life, it makes you easy pickings. So when, I, when I'm talking about a two-edged sword, I want you to know I'm talking about the way we talk. I'm talking about our speech. And I'm talking about, you need to know this, the devil loves people who are negative. He loves people who are full of doubt and fear. He, he loves people who are full of gossip and who are, whose words are full of betrayal. He loves how people talk about their problems and, their, and all of their issues and how defeated they are. I've had people say to me, man, I, I ran out of gas today. The, the, that, that dirty devil's after me. I just want you to know, if you ran out of gas today, it's because you didn't fill your tank. It's not the devil. But I want you to know, he loves it when you declare that he gets all the credit for it. God wants us to declare the word of God over every issue in our lives because your greatest weapon is when your words line up with the word of God and the devil comes and tries to tell you, uh, all sorts of lies, but you can quote the word of God. Sometimes, in fact, maybe some of you watching today, the devil would tell you your life's no good, your life is worthless, your, your life, uh, you might as well take your life. And I just want you to know, if you know the word of God, that will never happen because Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, wait a second, devil, that's not true. I, I know what God thinks about me. He has thoughts of, of good and not evil about my life. In fact, he has a future and a hope over my life. And if you read the next verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, verse 12, you'll hear this. When I talk to him, he listens to me and he promises he will hear me when I talk to him. So 
Just quote back the word of God to your enemy. He fears the word of God, not my opinion, not your opinion, not the smartest people in the world's opinion, because the word of God, you need to know, it's like a nuclear bomb uh, in, in the spirit. It's the greatest weapon on earth. Psalms 119, 104, verses and 105 and 110 say this. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Now listen to this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. So when you walk in the word of God, you need to know this. This is what you look like in the spirit. And uh, I just brought a light here. But here's the deal. So when you're, when you're walking in the thing, ways of God, you've got the sword of the spirit, which is your weapon. But here's, first of all, this platform will just say, this is your foundation. And this weapon is your offense. And this light is preemptive. In other words, you can see ahead of time. You've already prepared. You know the enemy's going to come after you. But this light, as it shines on the path, it shows you the snares. It shows you where the enemy's coming after you. And you've been preemptive because you planned for it because the word of God is in your life. And the devil cannot snare you or trap you because you prepared ahead of time for that. I don't know about you, but you should be clapping at home right now because that is an amazing word of God. He has snares for your life, but the the devil cannot overcome you because you have a foundation, you have an offensive weapon, and you have the light of God, and he makes you victorious, and the devil cannot defeat you. So here's the third question, and the last question I want to answer quickly. How do we protect ourselves and our families against Satan? Here's the answer. Total Commitment to the Word of God. Second Thessalonians chapter or chapter two verse seven says this through ten: For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work; only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with his with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the work, working of Satan, with all, this is how he comes, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not, listen to this, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. The word love here, is the word agape, and it means a total commitment, commitment regardless of how you feel or what the circumstances are. In other words, I'm going to be committed to God's word no matter what, and those who don't, those who decide, I don't want God's word in my life, I'm going to do it my own way, here's what it says, they perished because they did not receive the love of the truth. Let me close with these scriptures, Mark 8, 36 through 39. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words 
in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes uh, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You need to know this. We need to be committed to this book above everything else. We need to build a foundation for everything in our lives with this book. We need to have the light of, of this book upon the path everywhere we walk. And we need a sword as an offensive weapon to overcome everything that the enemy has done uh, our plan for our lives. It's the basis for every decision. Uh, it's the basis for fulfilling our purpose. It's the basis for our relationships. It's the basis for our finances. It's the basis for our marriage and raising our children. It's the basis for everything we do in this life. And when you do that, you need to know you become Satan's worst nightmare because you discovered how the enemy works and now you are equipped with the weapon, most of all, that can destroy him and all the works of darkness. All right, would you just take a moment and bow your heads with me and let's pray. And let me ask this as we pray. What is the foundation of your life? What is the light in your life? Or are you in darkness? And do you have an offensive weapon called the word of God that's in your heart and in your mind? What are you building on? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that you will come and touch every person here. I'm asking, Lord, that Harbor City Church and all those watching today will begin to be equipped with the word of God. They'll get in the fresh start classes. They'll get in the equipped classes. They'll get in the freedom, uh, into freedom small groups and into celebrate recovery and begin to build that foundation of truth upon their lives so that they can become an offensive weapon in the kingdom of God and destroy the works of darkness. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Now, with every head still bowed, let me ask those of you who, who just might be watching today and you're saying, man, my life's been a mess. And maybe you claim to be a Christian, but you've fallen away from God, fallen away from his word, and the devil's been having a heyday in your life. Or maybe you've never given your life to Christ, and today you know is your day. You're not watching the sermon by accident. You're watching it because the Holy Spirit led you to hear these words. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with me by faith. And you believe in your heart. You confess it with your mouth. Jesus becomes your Lord. You get in the family of God and you start building a foundation of faith through his word. Say this prayer with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your one and only son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life Come into my heart and be my savior, my Lord, my boss, and my friend. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Be my savior now. Be my Lord. And for the rest of my days, I'm going to serve you by your grace and by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we have somebody who will give you some instructions on how to help you get connected and grow. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday, Mother's Day. You're not going to want to miss it. Thank you for joining us today. We have a lot of great resources for you over at harborcitychurch.org. Come check us out, and I hope you have an awesome week.